Good morning, everybody. It's the 24th of August, 2023, and my name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and thanks so much for being here today. All right, we have a wonderful guest for you today, someone I was I met yesterday. That's a soon-to-be doctor, if I may. Doc, I, I, I can't call her yet, but in my mind, she's way beyond a doctorate there. Desiree Viramontes is here. Desiree is the coordinator of the Families in Transition Program down in Round Rock, Texas, which is north of Austin, by the way. All right. Uh, 15 years of experience as an educator in and out of the classroom, 11 years in her current role as the coordinator of the Families in Transition Program. And I had an opportunity to talk to her yesterday for a long time, and she is just an amazing educator, an amazing person and what she's trying to do is going to talk about equity i have that right here on the sheet talk about equity okay so many it's to me it's almost impossible to even think that so many children are homeless she's got the numbers to share okay not in her district uh, but nationally as well and uh, homelessness i mean it's, it's it's just amazing and we want these kids to have an equitable education and that's what she works at. We, you know, the families are having troubles. We got to make sure that the kids get the education they deserve and grow on to become extremely productive citizens. And this is what Desiree does every day. All right. It's, it's an aspect of education that is what, uh, wonderful what she does, but one of the sadder sides of what we have to deal with these days. And as long as we're helping the kids, we're going to make it better. And today's show is presented to you by Varsity tutors my good friends okay they found desiree for me and she's working with varsity right now and the whole the the, the, currently tutoring is extremely important teachers are under stress all right they don't have the time these days and the kids who are there's absenteeism etc the kids need the help when they need it and Desiree is going to talk about how she's working with Varsity as well, because I want you all in your districts to be aware of how a program like this works. All right, so stay tuned for uh, – we'll be right to Desiree in just a second. We're going to archive the show over at ace-n.org, where everything we do about equity is, because that's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. That's what we do, ace-n.org. Everything's free for you over there, our Equity Awards program. All our podcasts are there and our magazine, our online journal, Equity and Access, which, by the way, is excellent. And again, everything is free for you. And if you want to get in touch with me like so many people do, please, Larry at ace-ed.org. Don't be shy. You can even complain if you want to. Okay, I'd love to hear from you. All right, Larry at ace-ed.org. And so without further ado, the one, the only, the future doctor, Desiree Viramontes. Hello again, Desiree. How are you today? I'm good, Larry. Good to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you back here. She and I talked for a long time yesterday. Someday I'll explain that to you, but it worked out great. And this is going to be a wonderful podcast. I learned what an incredible educator, what an incredible, incredible person Desiree is. It's just amazing. And Desiree, did I leave anything out? When are you going to get that doctorate in? Or when are you going to get it? Because if you went to the University of Larry, as I told you yesterday, you would have already had it. <laughs> Well, I, I am working on it. Um, had a couple barriers with COVID and um, yeah. my own virtual <laughs> instruction that I had yep. to do, and a car accident. So, um, but yep. I am going to get there. 
and the May of 2024 is my goal. All right. All right. I love it. I'm going to call you Dr. Ray Fiermontes. I don't care. Okay. Where you get? What college are you going to to get it? Where are you going? Uh, University of Texas at Austin. Good in a boo. It's a big school. That's a big it school. Is. Okay. Yeah. It's huge. Okay. Great school too, by the way. I might add. That's terrific. All right. Anyway. All right. Let's get started on this. And I, I, I was so impressed with you yesterday. And I, I wrote you that. You're just amazing on so many levels to me. It's unbelievable. Okay. What, what's going on out there? And you had some of the numbers yesterday. The, the primary challenges that you see, and you've been doing this for 11 years, for your students, and what are they facing on a day-to-day basis? What do you have to deal What do you have to deal with? What do they have to deal with every day? Well, currently we are in um, a heat advisory in Texas. I don't know if it's uh, made oh, the news where you're at, but it's been oh. over 100 Plus degrees for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and so um, still today, still today, it's, it's August twenty fourth. Uh, no, we're actually like a very cool in our nineties. Like it's a nice cool day for us <laughs> over here in Texas. Wow, that's yeah, something right we've there. Had, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we know it's been bad. Had, Everybody knows it's bad. Yeah, it's been yeah. bad. So we've had some natural events that have hit Texas. Um, we've had some winter storms, and we've had some extreme heat. And then when you think about um, students experiencing homelessness. At a given time, I can have like 10 to 20 families that are living in their cars. So for us, it can be difficult to go out into that hot weather or that cold Ooh. weather. Um, but if you're facing like an, an extreme weather condition and you're living in your car, it's, it makes it even harder. Um, last it's almost, year it's almost unsurvivable. Year. It's almost unsurvivable living in your car in that kind of heat. It's, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. Wow. It is. Um, so over here, we had 1,045 students experiencing homelessness at the end of last school year. Um, and every year I talk to all of the students and families, um, to see where they're at and we are kicking off back to school. So I have a resource center that I treat just like I did in my classroom. Um, I didn't have a traditional teacher desk. I kind of just turned my desk around with the drawers (laughs) and I put food and uniforms and stuff like that. And for my resource center was really just my work, my office space at a central administration building. And I turned it into a portable to have um, community donations come in um, and get different, like Nike gives us donations. Um, Try to have, yeah, try to have new backpacks um, and top quality school supplies. I think being an educator in the classroom for 10 years just kind of made me very cognizant that, um, some wax crayons don't color, so, you know, we got to get some Crayola in here. And then, really, it's just it's appointment by appointment, meeting with 200 wow. to 300 students every single month, um, and just listening to where they're at, which I think is really at the heart of education, is you sit down, you talk to a student, and you see exactly what they need, and they may not need everything that you have, um, but they may need a few supports. Uh, and that has really just been, like, the secret to my success in working with my students um, and in listening to them pre COVID, we had hurricanes, we had things happening um, and then COVID hit and our entire landscape of education really changed. And one of the things that I love that came out of COVID and I know a lot of people don't say that is this opportunity to do virtual tutoring and make it something that is um, normal. students like it's normal now to be like oh I can get virtual assistance that's great so when I first um, was thinking about this and listening to my families for years and years and years 
I have students that are working right after school for six or seven or eight hours. Sure. They can't go sure. to tutoring, right? Like, or I have students sure. that are, are like any of our kids that want to get a question answered like 10 minutes before they're supposed to get on the bus to go to school. So you have, or they're working at lunch, like they're really trying to make everything work, but the traditional in-person tutoring didn't really work for my student population pre-pandemic. Um, and it wasn't working as we saw the gaps in education across the U.S. and Texas, my district, everywhere just kept growing and growing. And so they mm -hmm. just really wanted an on-demand, like, I just want to call you. Can I just call you when, I, when I'm working on it? And I'm like, well, no, not at one in the morning, right? <laughs> like, that's not going to work. <laughs> so, like, and I'm only one person and it's 56 stores. Right, so. right. <laughs> So I started researching, and I, I went to a region meeting, and I heard a presentation from varsity tutors, and then I was like, I was a little skeptical, and I'm a researcher, sure. so I went and really sure. looked into it, and I vetted 20 different companies, like thoroughly vetted them and asked them questions, and I was so thoroughly impressed with being able to offer a 24-7 um, chat feature for my students amazing. because that's what they had been asking for. Like that, it's amazing. So it was really a game changer. And it's English and Spanish. And so in Texas, we also have um, detention centers where we have a lot of immigration coming in through a lot of different countries, um, in particular Latin America yes. and South America. Of course. About 70% of what we see in our area. But also like the Ukraine, Syria, like – Anything you're hearing in the news, we see through our state, which is, like, very mm -hmm. interesting but also um, can create some challenges. And the great thing about the varsity tutors, in particular, what I love more than anything is that in trying it out with my students, because I sit next to my students, because everybody's always very skeptical, like, what is this tool? What are you talking about? I've never <laughs> used this. And so they sit there, and I was like, it's like raising your hand and getting whatever question you have about your classwork answered in five minutes by a teacher. And you don't have to see their face, and they don't have to see your face. And they're like, I'm in. So, like, you yeah. show them the way, and then they fly on it. And they have so many different things on there. Like, for my, coll my college seeking students last year, I was like, you know, you just have to give them your college application essay 48 hours in advance, and they'll edit it for you and send it back. And they were very skeptical because that's very hard. Wow, I didn't that. know that. Yeah, it's a very cool I feature. I didn't know that. So, yeah, and working with my students, I always say, like, um, you got to hold on that. to little pieces of hope, and I love dreaming with my students. And so in August, it's it's heartbreaking to hear the stories of what happened over the summer while we weren't, you know, while the yeah. school district was closed and we were doing summer school. Yeah. But then I get all these awesome phone calls from my <laughs> students that are going into post-secondary, um, and then I remember what the work was like with those students. Like there was a student I was telling you about yesterday who was in our foster care program and then our homeless program. We gave him a beat up computer. He created an AI and he went yeah. to um, like an MIT Caltech on a full ride scholarship. Um, I mean, and it's and game changing right there. It's game like changing. that. Yeah. It's, so life, getting it's like a game. Small, if, if life is a game, it's life changing. I mean, it's, it it's is, life it is changing. Life changing. And, so and, and it's really I, fun I to get calls else. from students like that. And they're in the it's financial a, aid amazing. office, and they're like, okay, like, can you explain, like, how this letter works for verification? I'm like, I'm totally happy to. Um, and they're the students that are considered unaccompanied youth, which means they're not in the physical custody of a parent or guardian. And I've had students as young as four years old that have fallen into that category, but the majority of them are high school students. And there's a federal law that assists with doing um, the FAFSA without, like, parent information so you can go to college. Um, and so those are the students that I hear from in August as well. So I have, like, 
one phone call and I'm like, okay, we're in a crisis situation. Like, how can we help? How can we support? And then the next phone call is like, I'm in college and I, I, I need a, a quick question. And it's, it's nice. It's a good, like, juxtaposition yeah, it for, is. for my August. It is. And, 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 I mean, I've got so many things to say. First of all, the first thing I'll say is you're, you're going to heaven. I hope you know that. Just so you know that. <laughs> I don't know Mention about that. We'll Mention my name. Oh, yeah, you're going. Don't even worry about that. Okay. Uh, you're going to heaven. All right. I hope it's a long time from now, but you're going to heaven. Okay. I got to tell you that. Second of all, I want to say about that kid with the Caltech, you know, that's a life changing experience for the kid. And obviously he's going to, he, she is going to be extremely successful. Okay. I hope they get through that and everything else. But, but the other thing is, and, and multiply this by thousands. Okay. We did not lose that kid. That's a kid that's, that's going to grow up and become a very productive and inventive member of society, okay? And it's going to do a lot of good wherever they work, whatever they do, et cetera, et cetera. We, did, we won. The kid, not just the kid won, okay? We all won wherever, wherever they wind up, okay? We all won. And that's the essence of what we're trying to do here, okay? And people have to understand it, this is something that we can all claim victory on. Thank you very much, Coach Viramontes. Okay, but we can all <laughs> claim we can all claim victory. Okay, because the society is better for that child doing better. Okay, I'll say simply one less person on welfare, one less person getting sick, having challenges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, it's it just look at the good you did. Then, then then take what you do and multiply it by thousands. Okay, and that's the way that's the way we gain for all this. You know, you mentioned this yesterday, but I'd like you to mention today. What are the demographics of the kids you work with? And again, we're talking about a very nice school district, about I think twenty miles north of Austin or so. Okay, great part of the world. Well, what are the demographics of the homeless kids? Yeah, sure. Um, so when you're first, I want to say though, when we think about homelessness. Um, a lot of people only think about unsheltered or shelters. So when you're thinking about students that are experiencing homelessness across the, the United States, it's a more broad definition under the McKinney-Vento Act. And so students could be doubled up living with other say, families. Say, say, also, say the name of that app. Wait, wait, say, uh, slow down. Say the name sure. of what you just said. Say it slower so people okay. know what that is. I wanted to ask you okay, about that. So, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the McKinney-Vento Act. Um, so it is federal legislation that's under ESSA, and it's been reauthorized since 1987 for um, every single education time that it goes through, like NCLB, um, No Child Left Behind, and then now we're yep. in the current education one, which is Every Student Succeeds. So the McKinney-Vento Act is a broader definition of homelessness where students are able to get assistance from their schools um, through – if you're living doubled up, if you are in a motel hotel, if you're in transitional housing. So it's a more all-encompassing definition. And it also includes the unaccompanied youth that I was touching on um, a little bit earlier, that if you are not in the physical custody of a parent or guardian. Yeah, wow. Um, wow. So there, it's like a very broad definition, which makes my job really fun because I get to – mitigate this pipeline that we have for youth homelessness directly into adult homelessness. And the two big fears mm. for adult homelessness is foster care and youth homelessness. 
So, and the mitigating factor is education. So I feel like I'm at the, you know, in the trenches. Yeah, you you can make the difference. You're going to make the difference. Yeah. And you are making the difference. We all can inside of education, like for sure. So my students inside of um, Round Rock ISD across the thousand, like we see all kinds of um, different things that, I don't know, Larry, like honestly, like things that our society hasn't always been good at, um, dealing with like stigmatizing so homelessness in general mental health um and then we have over representation of black and brown students inside of youth homelessness and adult homelessness and so when looking at that over representation like for example in the state of texas there's like it's 20 percent black students in texas and then yet inside of our homeless numbers it's 43 percent so when you're oh. looking at that overrepresentation of black and brown students, you really start to think about, like, what are we really doing to try to create equity in our schools? What are we doing yeah. to try to meet the needs based off yep. of the living situations that the students are facing? Um, and extreme poverty is, is everywhere, like, not just for students experiencing homelessness, but this term at risk is huge numbers and they've only increased um once the the covid we had all this covid funding that was helping families and all that assistance and then it got pulled off and so right now the nation is facing inflation affordable housing crisis Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of pay has not caught up to inflation rates and so we're seeing more and more families at risk of facing homelessness for the first time in a long time. And then you have a lot of middle-class families that are priced out of buying homes. So families would traditionally buy homes. So they go and they get into an apartment, and then that pushes out more families that would have been in those apartments, and the apartment complexes are able to charge more. So it's just this this very unique situation that we're in um, post-pandemic. And I really do think um, the students just really need the information. Um, They do. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell my favorite story that I shared with you Go yesterday. Ahead, like Go. just Good. just like that information piece, right? So a lot of times people think that um, there's nothing that we can do, and there's absolutely things that we can do, and it's usually just a conversation and sharing information that we know about. So I got a call. Um, this was probably the third year of the pandemic, and the student was going to graduate a week later. And I went and this awesome thing was happening that, you know, <laughs> I love when kids just make their own solutions. But there was um, there was a boy who had been homeless when he was 12, and he had never been identified through a school district or anything, um, but he happened to be a manager at a local burger place. And he decided mm-hmm. that he was just going to rent different places inside of the duplex that he was renting for $100 a month so that there wasn't any kids living on the street. So there was four kids living in the garage that I went to go visit this student, and we sat there, and we had a talk, and while we were talking, I was like, oh, where do you want to go to college? Nobody had talked to her about that. Um, So in 15 minutes, we filled out the FAFSA, which is the federal financial aid. She got full Pell Grant funding. Um, I got her a dress and some shoes for her graduation for the next, like, so I didn't really have more than an hour of contact with her. But something that I want to point out about this case was that she was a foreign exchange student, and she had a sponsor family, and when she turned 18, they kicked her out of the house. And she was not able to return to her country because her country was not receiving students or was not receiving anybody because of COVID. Oh, my Um, God. 
the, the resiliency <laughs> and the amazing yeah. thing about the student was that she went into ACC. She kept working at the burger place. She got an apartment, and she made enough Wait, money. Wait, what's, to that, what's, a, what's ACC? What is ACC? Sure. ACC is Austin Community College. So she went uh, yeah, to the local community college. Yeah, I knew it was an acronym college. for something. Yeah, I figured it was a community college. Oh, yeah, college. An, I an just education. Didn't know, I just didn't know so which many acronyms. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was at the community college. Um, she flew her. her sister over here, and then she's on right now at a four-year university, and her sister's oh. at the community college. Wow. And I, like, that's an hour. And all I did was really sit with her, fill out the federal financial aid, give her some information, and then she touched base with me one more time while she was at the financial aid office that next year and sent me an email when her sister got here. And so sometimes all we really need is one caring individual, somebody to just sit and talk with the student or talk with the family. Um, and we see these cases all the time. Like you could be at the grocery store and somebody's struggling to pay and they start like putting groceries away. I mean, I've seen that myself even when I was 16 years old and I just paid for the groceries. Like yeah. we can, as a society, take care of each other. These aren't things that we don't see all the time. These are things that we definitely see all the time. Or don't, or, or don't to want to see. Don't don't want to see. We see them, but we don't. But you see it anyways. Yeah, and I mentioned before. By the way, you're going to heaven. Yes, I I remember. (laughs) Yeah, you don't walk away. You're going to heaven, Saint Desiree. I got to tell you, you're you're just. uh, No. No, Larry. We we all know those situations. Like you walk, like whatever you see, you kind of have this like little feeling in the pit of your stomach. And so I think the the difference with educators is that we listen to that little feeling, you know, and we. We're like, okay, I can do something about this, this little thing. We each have the ability to do something. Um, so, like, you can look in your wallet, right, and we all have gift cards, or a lot of us have gift cards that we're not using that has, like, whatever amount. Like, that could yeah. be mailed into my Don't program and be a game changer. Like, you know, like, the I think there was, like, a study that came out. There was, like, a certain amount of gift cards that are never even um, cashed or used. Because people just hold on to them, or they lose their value, and then the who benefits? Oh, the oh, it's, it's huge! It's a huge amount. Yeah, it's a huge amount of dollars, right? And, so uh, I, I just wow. say turn that into something that can help. And with my families and doing the resource center, what I have found, um, and I have somebody else, a family that we were helping for a couple of years, and waiting to get into low income housing for four years. And then we hired her to look, to work here and to share her experience. Yeah. And she um, she went on the news yeah. to share the experience and stuff. And right. so just that whole, like, she always said, all I really needed was just, like, a tiny bit of help each month. And so the groceries that we provided and the shoes and the backpack was able, just that little bit of assistance that she got with that free lunch portion of it and all the extras was enough for her to stabilize out of um, living in homeless living situation. So a lot of times we think it's going to be these, like, extra human efforts, and really it's not. It can be a gift card that you donate for HEB so that families can go and get fresh milk or lettuce or, you know, whatever they're into. I had a kid who really loves sweet tea. <laughs> I was like, okay, we can provide that. That's not well, a problem. Got to love sweet tea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, like, a local grocery store, like, you can get, at a lot of our local grocery stores, you can get gas. You can get pharmacy items, and yeah, you can get yeah. fresh produce. So, yeah. to Same me, everywhere. that's a support card. Same yeah, everywhere. Exactly. Actually, it's funny you mentioned sweet tea. Uh, up here, nobody orders. I live in Maine, okay? And nobody, uh, sweet tea is not on the menu. 
okay? And it's so I much know. a part of good Southern living, okay? But it's, it's, it's not, in fact, when I order, I always order it as unsugared with a sweet and low or whatever the case may be. It's just so funny, the, the differences. I love the cultural differences between the country. It's just amazing. You know, I, we've been talking how you interact. And interact, and you are just amazing. Uh, uh, you interact with the students, but I'm curious. I, I'm going to ask this two ways. How do you interact, your office interact with a varsity tutors setting up what what the tutors need to know for the kids, and then b also the teachers at Round Rock School District because you do so much work with directly with the kids in your office. How do you? coordinate with the with the, all the educators, varsity tutors, and all your wonderful faculty over there? So I call it a network of support. So we've created a network of support, and we have um, on every single campus, we have direct communication with, and I have a team that helps like support all of this effort. We have a team of uh, four right now, including myself. But so there are FIT contacts, which my program is called Families in Transition, the FIT program, which is a district ah, homeless okay. program. Yeah. And so each of my fit contacts on the campus is like the, the, the pivot, right? The pivot point for the students is the person that I connect the kids with directly if, um, and they can get ongoing support. So my fit contacts are the ones that are going to hand out like the weekend food packs to make sure that every meal is covered throughout the week, including the weekend. Um, and then they're going to also, they can also sit there and go through varsity tutors um, and different academic supports that we offer so we do book bundles. We do. I do a lot of like serving and focus groups with my families and students to ask what they want and what they need. And then I also just do a lot of research into like what is going to create comprehension. Um, yeah, but and how do you get all that? How do you there. get what you do? How do you get what you do <laughs> in, into the? I know how you're working with the students, but how are you working with the teachers? Okay. Oh, well, that's, that's, oh yeah. I'm I getting, mean, it starts with the yeah, fit contact you know, what you or the registrar or the I principal. Just, so they, they are my yeah. assistants. Uh, you know, they're my campus direct contacts over there, and they interact and engage with the students on their campus um, to bridge any gaps that happen at the campus or to call me if something is needed um, to get further support. But with varsity tutors, like you have, and any like, there's a lot of online tutoring options out there today. So I would say, yeah, like, are. vetting what's going to work best for your school district. I know I have to say that because that's also equity, right? Like, vetting what's going to work best for your school district. But in partnering with them, um, it took us six months to onboard it. And we make sure that every student has access to varsity tutors within their class link page. So it looks like um, what you would see on an iPad with apps. That's what they have in their, their little classroom. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to click on it, and they can go straight to the chat feature and it'll connect them to a teacher, and everybody that they're connected to there is a licensed, certified, background-checked teacher through Varsity Tutors. They do all of that part of it for yep. you. I know that. And then, yeah, and then school districts themselves, um, the vendor process in my district can take four to six months because it's vetted very, very thoroughly and everything. As it should be. I mean, of course, and that's yep. what you would want, right? Anything that is involving students, that's what you would want. So. And then we even have the ability to um, see if anything, like what's going on in the chats, um, if the student just logged in. So I, when we get that login information and we were first working with varsity tutors and getting those reports, 
then I would go um, and my teammate would go to the campus and be like, we saw that you logged in. Was there a problem when you were trying to get into varsity tutors? And they were like, oh, yeah, I didn't know how to do, you know, I didn't know how to do this or like, oh, the teacher didn't understand what I was doing. And so we were able to troubleshoot and problem solve so that they were able to use it as a resource. So we saw that as an opportunity, like, hey, you went and you logged in. <laughs> what else yeah. can we do so that you can, like, actually try it? Right. Yes, that's exactly. the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we first but you know, you know, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. That's what's really interesting about this. And I, I always am a big advocate of this. In, in, in days past, a lot of these kids, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't mean this anywhere. I'm just speaking generally. We'd write these kids off. Ah, you know, we got to worry about the other kids. You know, these kids get there. You know, we don't do that anymore. That's what really equity is about. We don't do that. Okay, that that that's just bad. And I, I I think the point I want to make is that if you give these kids the opportunities, if you approach them as serious students with rigorous curriculum and all the help they need, considering their situation, a lot of them will shine. Okay, and this is what education, this is what teaching is all about: to find those kids who who want to learn who want to do well, who want to be productive citizens, who want to have a nice family and take care of their family, et cetera, okay, and, and, and be good workers in the workplace, whatever the profession they choose to be. And it, it just goes to show you, if you give them the opportunity, they'll rise to the occasion. And, and you must have learned that over the years. You know, honestly, what I've learned is that if you, there's so many people that are inside of a school building, and we're all people, and we all like different, we all gravitate towards different folks, and so, you know, sure. sometimes it could be the cafeteria worker, sometimes it could be Absolutely. the librarian, sometimes it, you know, like, the and that's driver, all students, the like, janitor, all of us whoever, have those, the custodian. Yeah, yeah, all of us have those connections, and so it's, about doing um, professional development with everybody that's available at the campus, um, but also like building capacity with our students. Like, advocate for what you need. Ask me, tell me, give me feedback from what from what you're doing. I remember we were first doing the weekend food packs, and I was like, "Who eats Vienna sausage?" So I was curious if the kids actually <laughs> wanted it. And so I have them like, and I still do it. I have them break open um, the food packs and I'm like, you take what you want and then leave what you don't want. And then I was, I would count what was left. And if stuff never gets taken from the pantry, I'm like, Hey guys, I have about, you know, 200 cans of Vienna sausage. I don't think the kids are into it. And they were like, Oh, we had no idea. So they switched it <laughs> to beef jerky. And yeah, now, like, I have kids who are like, can I take all the beef jerky from the packs? I'm like, no, you can't take all the beef jerky. But it's just, like, little things like that. Like, when you That's, empower a student and give them the voice, they're going to let you know what they need. Yeah, That's and exactly it's oftentimes right. not <laughs> a big story. deal. You know, it's not even something that is huge. Um, it can be those little things of, like, connecting a student to the library, which a lot of our students think is a safe place. Like any student I've ever worked with across the 18 years that I've been in education, they go to the library and the librarian is like this magician who can find a book that they want to read. And yeah, they can go in that. there and they can eat their lunch. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, it's just like so talking to each yeah. student and just connecting them with that person on the campus um, that's going to be like their second home, which is 
really what education and schools are about, and that's a, it's a lot of fun to participate that's, in. where they spend as much time as they do. Desiree, you, i got to tell you, you are just magic. You are a magical educator is all I can tell you. And you, you should be – Red Rock – Red Rock – Round Rock – Okay, ISD and, and you and your team, I mean, they should all be proud of how this is all working out and the good work you do. And I know it's just going to continue. And uh, I, can't, I, I can't thank you enough for being here. I mean, you are really something. Thanks, Desiree. Thank you. What can thank I you, say? Larry. Thank you, the You're the best. Let's stay in touch, okay? Oh, by the way, I meant to tell you, um, I know you, you've been writing articles about the kind of work you do. And I, we have uh-huh. a big mag. We have a big magazine called Equity and Access. It's up on our site at h-ed.org. If you would like to write for that, you know, and write an article about what you do, we would love it. Just if you would like to do okay. that, I mean, just the offer. I will there. take a look. Okay, please do it over. And everybody can go over there at h-ed.org. And what you do is so equity oriented. We would love to promote your good work and and you yourself and what you do for people. I mean, so other districts all across the country can learn from your success. Okay. So just take a look and maybe we can get that together. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate your time. So I, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Desiree. You have a great weekend. I know it's a day away, but still have a great weekend and a good school year. Hey, when did school start by the way? August 15th for us. So you're about 15, not quite about 10 days in. Congratulations. Yep. I hope it's going well. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Bye, Larry. Have a good one. Thanks, Desiree. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow, she's something or what? Desiree Viramontes. Viramontes, okay? Um, I hope I pronounced that right. Coordinator of the Families in Transition Program down at Brown, Round Rock ISD near, near – I can't talk to – near Austin, not Houston, Okay at Round Rock ISD. And I got to thank my friends at Varsity Tutors, and that's varsitytutors.com. You should learn more. Okay, go over there. This is a very important aspect of education these days. Very, very important. All right, we'll archive over. You guessed it at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks so much for listening.